Percy Allen's market timing service has now joined the constant investor. Now, as we've been noting this year, even though everyone, especially Warren Buffett, says value investing, buy and hold, is the way to go, that's not actually supported by the facts. The data show that value investing has underperformed momentum or growth investing for quite a while now. So for that reason, I acquired market timing from its owner, VFS, and invited Percy to join us. Having started the newsletter in 2009, Percy sold it to VFS 18 months ago, and now it's found a home in The Constant Investor. The market timing service, with its buy and sell signals and Percy's unique content, costs $390 a year, but it'll be provided to Constant Investor subscribers for free as a part of our service. So I thought it was time for Percy to explain how market timing works and to tell us about himself. At university, I studied economics and got a master's, and uh, I started life actually with Westpac um, and worked in Sydney, Papua New Guinea, and then London. And after that, I, um, I went back to Papua New Guinea and worked for the government there briefly, and then uh, joined the New South Wales Treasury as an economist, and uh, I soon became deputy chief economist and uh, was later seconded to the treasurer's office. And... Um, as Chief Policy Advisor, and then became Secretary of the Treasury, um, which is a job I kept for uh, nine years. And then I became Finance Director of the Boral Group for a few years, and then chaired a number of boards. What made you get into market timing? Well, I suppose, like a lot of other investors, my adverse experience during the global financial crisis, where I became disillusioned with buy and hold, as an approach to holding shares. Tell, tell us about what happened there. You just lost some money and you decided that buy and hold, buy and hold was not the right strategy. Exactly. I was uh, in a number of managed funds like many people and I just saw their value uh, drop between uh, October 2007 and March 2009. Uh, the market, as you know, fell by I think 54% over that period and in addition to that, some other shares just went out the, the back door, became insolvent. And I thought, look, there really has to be a better way to do this. And I started exploring that during the GFC and got very interested in trend following. And I found that in America, there were over 300 market timers, most of whom seemed to have successfully navigated the global financial crisis. And I just wondered why no one was doing this in Australia. And when I made inquiries, I got the uh, old mantra, look, it's time in the market, not timing the market, that counts. And uh, yet I found in America a lot of literature and a lot of academic work showing that you can time the share market if you don't try to forecast it, but instead try to gauge its underlying trend and momentum. So can you take us through the process you went through researching uh, the sort of market timing that you thought would be right? There's quite a bit of academic literature on it and a lot of books written on it. And I also visited America in 2012 with my business partner then, and we visited a number of market timers. I discovered much of it is a cottage industry, although there are hedge funds, of course, that use market timing devices, large hedge funds that have been very successful too. Um, so that was um, a very useful experience for purposes of building our business, which was market timing which we started in March 2009, just at, in the trough of the global financial crisis and the financial meltdown. And um, 
we got a financial services license and we were up and running as a public site uh, in December 2009 and market timing has been operating ever since. First, are there different types of market timing processes uh, and did you, did you go through it and choose one of them? Market timing largely relies on trend analysis and momentum analysis. And there are many trend indicators you can choose from and momentum indicators. And we back-tested a number of them to see what works best and also went through the academic literature. We originally had both an active and a conservative uh, market timing strategy. We've dispensed with the active because, as the academic literature shows, the more actively you trade, the less well you do, even if on back testing it showed it worked. It certainly hasn't been a successful active uh, trading since uh, the global financial crisis as it was before. But what does really work is more, is slower trend following and slower momentum trading. And our main purpose was risk management. It wasn't speculation. Uh, Yet the overwhelming majority of traders in the market are trying to speculate and they lose money because they're too active. Uh, If you approach it from a risk management angle, as we've done, uh, then you should really adopt a slower trading approach. So, for instance, our conservative uh, strategy has on average only two signals a year. And our rotation strategies have about three signals a year. So we're not daily or weekly traders. We're looking for the big waves in the share market and trying to ride those and avoid the crashes rather than trying to pick the market from day to day. And when I say we're trying to do that, we're not using our gut instinct or logic or reason or any type of forecasting system, we're simply gauging the underlying trend and momentum in the share market. And when it's strong, we're in the market. And when it's weak, we step out of the market as a precaution. It's really a strategy of winning by not losing. And I think a lot of investors uh, who went through 2008, uh, that dreadful crash, I can understand that. There, There is no worse feeling than losing money in the share market. And there's no better feeling than making money. So uh, avoiding the negatives and focusing on the positives uh, is the way uh, we operate at, at market timing. In other words, let profits run and cut losses short. Well, that's Warren Buffett's rule number one is don't lose money, of course. Exactly. And you know what rule number two is. <laughs> Remember, Remember rule, rule number, number one. one. Um, can you explain to us how your signals are generated? I might talk about the conservative strategy first. We say conservative because it's a slow trading strategy, as I mentioned, an average of two signals a year. I think our last uh, conservative signal um, was more than a year ago because of the strong market over that period hasn't warranted um, selling out. But with the conservative strategy, We basically use a trend-following system. So, for instance, uh, we would look at what is average price of the All Ordinaries Index over the last 30 days. And then we'd also have a look at what is the average price of the All Ordinaries Index over the last 300 trading days. And if the average price over the last 30 days is higher than that over the last 300 days, then clearly the market is in positive territory. It's above its long-term trend and it's worth staying in the market. If it 
falls below, that is the shorter term trend, falls below the longer term price trend, that is a warning signal that the market is slowing and could be crashing. And so we get out of the market. Uh, I'm oversimplifying, but that's broadly what we do. We also use a long-term momentum indicator, the COPOC indicator, that's been very reliable, particularly in Australia, to indicate when the worst of a share market trough is over and when it's time to get back into the market. And if you do that consistently over time and if you backtest that, you can beat the market by 1% to 2% per annum. But more importantly, you can avoid those big crashes and avoiding those big crashes means you can handle investing better emotionally. The big problem I think share investors have, and we see this from Dalba's quantitative research in America, is that the average investor in America in the last 20 years has only earned about half the return of the share market index. And Dalba says the reason for that is that most investors can't emotionally handle the um, turbulence of the share market. Uh, investors tend to buy towards the top of a share market cycle when investor sentiment is exuberant. We're all confident. Uh, the newspapers, everybody says, look, it's full, it's a blue sky, everything is wonderful. And then we capitulate and uh, in the share market, of course, towards the bottom of the cycle um, when investor sentiment is despondent and all the news tells us that the earth is about to open and we're all going to be swallowed up. Now, the only way I believe an investor can avoid getting caught up in that cycle is to have a market timing system that's mechanical and objective, doesn't try to forecast the market, but simply monitors what is happening to momentum and trend in the market and stays in the share market through a listed equity fund when it is positive in its trend and momentum and steps aside when that turns negative. And your back testing indicates that both the trend and momentum indicators both go negative or, or at least weak prior to a crash. No, no, we are market followers. We don't try to forecast the market. No, we don't use leading indicators, economic indicators. We simply use indicators of the trend of the market, the moving averages of the market price, and the momentum of the market, which is to do with the velocity of the market, the speed of the market, either going up or down. We don't get out of a market until it has turned, and we don't get back into a market until it has turned up. So we are trend followers. We're momentum followers. Uh, we don't try to pick the top of a market or a bottom. We let the market tell us when it has topped and is breaking and when it has bottomed and is recovering. So we will lag. We don't believe you can forecast the market. If you go back each year and have a look at what share brokers and others say the market's going to do in the coming year, they're invariably wrong. Take this year, for instance. At the beginning of this year in America, most brokers were saying, look, this market's not going to go very far this year. Yet so far, the American market, I think, is up to 9% already, halfway through the year. Very few brokers anticipated that. So it's very hard, I think impossible, to forecast the market. You can certainly say whether the market's overvalued or not, and it is at present, in, particularly in America. 
And in America, they haven't had a crash now for nine years. And uh, normally, you have a crash every three and a half years on average. So, you know, facing a very overvalued market in America and the fact that they haven't had a crash, the probability of a crash is rising. That's why having a market timing system is useful for staying out of those crashes. But a market timing system can't be based on your gut. It can't be based on reasoning or logic because markets don't behave like that. All you can do is monitor the market's trend and momentum. And when the market tells you that it is sick, get out of the way. And when it tells you it's robust and healthy, get back into it and stick with it until that turns. In other words, you know, the trend is your friend until it bends. That's very interesting, Percy. Can you tell us what your backtesting indicates? When would the sell signal in 2007, 2008 have been generated by your system? I'd have to go back and look at the chart, but it was quite early in 2008 that the uh, conservative indicator went to a sell. And then it came back into the market, I think, in April or May 2009, a month or two after the uh, um, market uh, had bottomed. Uh, so it it navigated the global financial crisis very well as uh, most long-term um, market timing systems did. The active market timing system certainly got out of the share market quickly in uh, 2007 or 2008, late 2007, early 2008. But they tended to go back in again when the market just had temporary recoveries and get out. And the problem with that is it creates whipsaws where you sell out at a um, lower price than at which you can buy back. And so you get a, a small loss. And that's why we're avoiding active now. We're just sticking with the big waves, the conservative, because there's too much in and out of the market with an active strategy. And while backtesting showed that it did work before the GFC, since the GFC, it hasn't worked that well. I suspect because of central bank intervention, where they've, every time the market looks like it might crash, the central bank step in, print some more money, and the market takes off again. And so you don't really get a protracted bear market where you can get out early and then get back at fire sale prices. So that market intervention by central banks has made active trading more difficult. So to summarise, your signals, your market timing signals, successfully get people out after the peak and get them back in after the bottom. That's correct. Based on the proposition, which I believe is true, that it's impossible to pick the top and the bottom. Exactly. And indeed, we also have false signals. I would say in half our cases, it's a false signal. But where there's a false signal, we cut uh, losses very quickly. So a false signal can be where the market turns down and we get out, and then suddenly it quickly recovers and we get back at a higher price at, than at uh, which we uh, sold out. And they're called whipsaws, and they're an inevitable part of market timing. But as has been said, they're like paying the insurance premium for staying out of the big crashes. Because over time, market timing of the slow nature, like we do with the conservative strategy, still beats the index, not by a lot, 1% to 2% per annum. Ours has been about 1.8% per annum when we backtrack right to July 1984. But I'd expect about 1% to 2% per annum. But the more important thing is it smooths the journey. What that means, Alan, is you, you stay out of 
the big crashes. And on the way up during recovery, during the rallies, you may lag the market. Often one does a bit because there will be occasional whipsaws. So over time, if you look at a chart, it smooths out the passage instead of having that rugged um, roller coaster ride that most investors have and which, as I said, the Dalbar quantitative research shows results in uh, the average investor in America making only half the return of the index. By having a mechanical, disciplined, objective system to reacting to the market's trend and momentum, it should be possible to stay out of those big crashes and stay in the rallies so that over time you get a share market return, but volatility more akin to a bond market, uh, which is the best of both worlds. If you can get bond market volatility with share market returns, then you're managing your risk, but you're still getting good returns. The data clearly shows that over the past few years at least, uh, if not longer, value investing has clearly underperformed momentum investing. That's also true for longer periods. In fact, the best investment style has been momentum, and the very best investment style has been a combination of momentum and value. Uh, There's quite a number of um, research papers showing that. And yet, oddly enough, in Australia... um, there are very few funds offering momentum. Our rotation strategies offer two strategies on momentum, one global and one local. In the global strategy, we uh, have a choice between um, share funds that are based on America, an exchange-traded fund based on developed markets outside America, such as Europe and Japan, and a share fund or exchange-traded fund based on emerging market economies. And then we also have a gold fund in there and a a cash fallback. The local rotation strategy uh, has a menu of three industry sectors in Australia, finance, resources and property, and again has a gold fund in there and a cash fallback. And in each of those two rotation strategies, the emphasis is on momentum rather than uh, trend. In other words, we have a look take a nine-month period, how has each of those exchange-traded funds performed over the last nine months? In other words, what's been its speed? What has been its velocity? How much has its price gone up by over that nine-month period? And the exchange-traded fund, which is winning the race, uh, is the one we recommend. In other words, the one with the strongest momentum. And if none of those three industry sector funds or with the global one, any of the global funds has positive momentum, then we move to gold or to cash. So they're purely momentum funds. The way of thinking of the rotation funds is a little bit like a horse race, although I don't like using speculative examples, with one exception in that you can back the horse that's winning even after it's left the starting gate. And so we're always backing the exchange-traded fund that's doing best and getting out of that fund when it falls behind and then we switch to the exchange-traded fund whose momentum uh, has has moved to first place. We're in a very interesting period at the moment, aren't we, where, as you say, the the value doesn't look great. The market, in particular in America, looks overvalued. I'm not sure about Australia. But the momentum is strong. 
That's right. And we could well be uh, at the end of um, a share market cycle because we're seeing that irrational exuberance coming into it. I don't know. But I, I agree with you. I think in particular the American market's overvalued. I don't think the Australian market is as overvalued, although it's slightly overvalued. And the rest of the world's not as overvalued as America. But America dominates the global share market. Its market capitalization is more than half of that of the world. So if something bad was to happen in America, even if the rest of the world isn't as overvalued, it would catch a cold, perhaps an influenza. So there is a real risk. Uh, in my own view, um, I don't think the global financial crisis was ever resolved. The global financial crisis, as I understand it, was due to two things, excessive debt and poor regulation. The excessive debt uh, hasn't been resolved by deleveraging. Global debt for government, businesses and households is now 50% higher than it was before the global financial crisis. So that issue was never resolved. And as for financial regulation, some attempts were made there, but Donald Trump now wants to wind that back. So there really is a risk that at another point, the world's structural problems still have to be resolved, namely excess debt, and uh, that's got to be fixed. But you're quite right. At present, the economic indicators are very, very bullish, very, very bullish. They don't show that a crash is around the corner because interest rates are still low, economies are starting to expand. The one cloud on the horizon that came out last week was UBS's credit impulse meter which would indicate there's going to be a recession and a market crash at the end of this year because the world has suddenly gone into a major credit squeeze, according to the Union Bank of Switzerland's market meter for world credit creation. So if that continues, the very bullish indicators we're getting on the economic front could reverse. But look, at market timing, we don't try to predict the market. We like watching it. We like monitoring it. But at the end of the day, we let the market tell us what it's doing. But if the current credit squeeze, according to UBS, continues, we shouldn't let all this exuberance, let it carry us away, because a time will come when the market will crash again. And having an insurance policy, a, a mechanism for protecting oneself during such a crisis, I think is very important, particularly for handling one's investor emotions. I had a chart on the ABC News last night which showed that the ASX 200 index is back to where it started the year. And over the same period, the MSCI Global Index is up 10%. What does that tell you? And what does the Australian momentum look like right now versus the rest of the world? All I can think of is our rotation charts. And what's happening is that the momentum is slowing. It's still positive, but it's been slowing for the last month or two, and that hasn't reversed. And uh, that's over a nine-month period. And we show that in our charts each week. We're fairly transparent now about our models. We used to be very secretive about them, but we decided that it's better for our investors to see what our models are actually doing. We can't disclose all of it because it's too complex in a chart, but we pick the core indicators in our formulas for both the conservative and our rotation charts in our weekly charts and uh, disclose those and discuss them. 
so that uh, our clients can, um, which of course are now our constant investor clients, as uh, as market timing is a division of your company, so that clients can actually see what's happening and get a feel for it. But it is slowing on momentum uh, at present. Does experience tell you that it's likely to uh, generate a sell signal at some point soon? With the conservative strategy, no. It's still in positive territory, strongly positive territory, because if you look at the average price of the All Ords Index over the last 30 days and compare it with that of the All Ords Index over 300 days, it's uh, the shorter term uh, price average is well above the longer term price average, but it is narrowing. I agree it is narrowing, but it's not quite there yet. As for the rotation strategies, the three uh, on the local strategy, um, well, on finance, on resources and property, the momentum, is, price, uh, the price momentum is slowing on each of those three. And if it was to become negative, it would go to cash. But I suspect before that happened, the gold fund would rise to the occasion and we would switch to gold. But we're still some way off from that as well. There's no indication that there's a crisis just around the corner on that. But we monitor it uh, now on a weekly basis as we find that's adequate. But if it was to worsen, yes, a point would come where there's a sell signal. We know sometime in the future all our buy signals will move to sell uh, because they always do. They uh, move between buy and sell. But when that'll happen, uh, we don't know. We let the market tell us. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Percy. Uh, Can I say it's great to to have you on board. Uh, All of us here at uh, Constant Investor are delighted to have market timing and you as a part of the team. And I'm sure our subscribers will be uh, looking forward to you protecting them from the next crash. We're also delighted, Alan, um, being part of your team. And uh, now that you own market timing, we will do our very best. There will be times, of course, uh, as with any investing system, uh, where there are losses. As I said, about half our signals aren't correct, but we then uh, correct them very quickly. But our aim is to keep people out of crashes, out of big shocks. And I'm confident that a good market timing system can do that. I've been talking to Percy Allen, the editor of Market Timing, and you can find Market Timing now under the Read section at the Constant Investor website.